Chapter thirty two of Riolaro, the Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Coxoria. The wind had risen offshore, but not long after we weighed anchor, it fell again and we began to drift. When morning came, we saw that a current was rapidly bearing down upon another low island that closely resembled in its outline the land we had left, but it was evidently very productive, and here we seemed certain of obtaining supplies. Blastemo thought it was Coxuria. If it were, and if the pygmies that inhabited it were able to lay aside their everlasting hostilities, there was plenty to get on the island. We cast anchor, therefore, and pulled to the shore. It was yet early, and on the beach there were but few pygmies, who were greatly excited at our arrival. Each of the wizened little atomies laid himself alongside one of our party when we jumped out of our boats, and began to prove to him the superiority of some dogma he held. We did not understand them, and listened in bewildered silence but the friendly fervor died out of their manner as soon as it dawned on them that not a word of their eloquence was understood by us. A shade fell upon their faces and turned them, with their restless malice and cruel hate, into miniature maps of hell. They were like little demons as they consulted together. They chose a representative, who addressed us in Aleophanian, and Blastemo interpreted, but the faces of the silent coxurians grew darker and more scowling suspicion and hatred gave their expression to every feature the stuff we listened to was the most absurd jumble of doctrines and arguments the orator began by asserting as the first truth of religion that the gods were between two and three feet in height and had shapes exactly like the coxurians that needed no proof so he did not stop to prove it the world was agreed upon that they had never appeared upon earth except to the saints of coxuria with their saliva they had moistened and leavened a cake that grew in all its essential ingredients like the bodies they had assumed when they had come amongst men a little of this cake was enough to transform everything it touched into divine material and there was none of it except in coxuria the true belief was that everything that it touched had this miraculous power of transformation. Only vile heretics could assert the opposite. Yet some still worse heretics affirmed that only their high priests who had been touched by the hands of high priests who had touched the original saliva had the true divinizing faculty in their hands. Another fanatical sect held the damning doctrine that it was neither the original saliva nor the cake that gave the power of miracle, but the words that had come out of the mouths of the gods when the saliva sputtered onto the cake. He cursed these heretics with wild vituperation, evidently selected from their sacred books, and threatened them with everlasting damnation. He was still more furious with this damnatory eloquence when he came to those who held that the essence of religion lay in turning the face to the rising sun in all ceremonies, and clipping all the hair off round the left ear. 
all true reverence consisted in modesty towards the gods who lived in the sun and their dazzling brilliance there was intended to make the worshippers turn away their faces from them the direction in which they vanished in the evening in their car of light was that towards which the reverent face should ever be turned for by their fading away and letting the curtain of light be drawn they meant to encourage the worshipper to look sadly after them then every man knew that it was the right ear that heard most distinctly it was this that was meant by the gods to be uncovered of its natural veil in order to hear the divine harmonies of the universe it was appalling to hear any human lips utter such blasphemy as that the face should be turned to the east or that the left ear should be unmuffled no torture was too great for such heresy he proceeded with other damnatory classifications of coxurian religionists and bit by bit showed how he and his fellow worshippers beside him alone were to be saved he implored us to turn to the true faith and not be lost for ever we managed to suppress the smile that was ever rising to our faces then with a look round he warned us to be careful of error even within the true faith there were mistakes made even by the best of men he besought us to avoid the belief that it was only over the tip of the right ear that the hair was to be cut or that the body was not to be bent quite to the ground in worship towards the west the whole sense of hearing was meant by the gods to be unbarred and it was the main part of the body that was to be turned up to the rising of the sun reverence could be shown only by turning the eyes completely away from the dazzling beams of the gods he was getting more and more fervid in his denunciations of such errors and others like them that his fellow-sectarians had fallen into he and he alone was the pillar of true religion upon earth he and he alone would reach the sphere of the gods alas for the solitary grandeur of his position in the universe suspicion more and more filled the faces of his pygmy supporters nor could we longer keep down the amusement that was pressing upwards within us we had just burst into a roar of laughter when there crept down upon us in his rear a cloud of pygmies armed with the most jagged of lances and arrows the effect was magical our theological rooster who had crowed so lustily and his band of our would-be converters turned tail and fled yet not without bravado or menacing gestures the newcomers went through the same performance as their predecessors except that they insisted on the special points of doctrine that marked them off from all other sects we could not understand the difference between the two claimants of our souls the leader of the second crowd put the distinction into a single word and pounded the meaning of it into us he scowled and explained preached and exhorted not a gleam of intelligence passed over any of our faces their inappeasable hatred of the sect that had just disappeared over the horizon had no other basis it seemed to us than the unmeaning syllable buzz their gods when they appeared on earth had according to our furious orator proclaimed fuzz as the name of the saving cake it was a damning error in the fugitive schismatic to hold that it was buzz fuzz 
it looked as if we were not going to be converted to this saving syllable the ugly weapons of conversion were raised more threateningly but thanks to blastemo the awkwardness of the situation was got over without consulting us he rose and accepted all their statements as the everlasting truths of the universe and expressed for us the profoundest loathing of the doctrines that had before been vented upon us the scene was turned into one of jubilation the ugly weapons were lowered and the loathsome little imps ran forward to embrace their converts as far at least as the minuteness of their bodies would allow never at one sweep of their doctrinal net had so large a haul been made it seemed to be our size as much as our numbers that gave them joy every cubic inch of us freed from the damning error told in the ultimate sum of salvation we did not understand it all till we got on board here blastemo broke in with a loud but somewhat awkward laugh he seemed to understand something of what was being told we followed them bewildered as they led us inland with shouts of joy but we had not gone far towards their city when a larger troop was encountered evidently still more formidable in their doctrinal dislikes and means of conversion for our conductor slunk away again we were flooded with oratory and again blastemo managed the affair with delicacy and success as it seemed to us at the time the same type of incident occurred half a dozen times before we reached the town gates our last troop of soul captors was the largest of all but dissension broke out in their midst it seemed that several understood aleofanian and each of these declared that their orator misstated their creed and gave us only his special shade of it they kept whispering to one another till at last discontent broke out into a general melee to make matters worse most of the bands that had been forced to steal off and let their converites slip from their grasp had evidently come to an understanding and discovered that they had all been deceived by blastemo they united their forces and came down upon us and our convoy just at the moment they were rent with dissensions and ready to come to blows in the confusion blastemo smuggled us into the city and out again by another gate leaving the two parties to fight it out when we had got near to our boats he saved us again we saw the whole mob of pygmies hurrying over the beach a few minutes were all we needed to embark and escape he uttered words that seemed to paralyze them it was a curse upon the most fundamental and sacred part of their creed a point on which they had agreed to sink differences but it was only a momentary paralysis they recovered and rushed on again again he hurled amongst them words that we did not understand the effect was as strange they divided up into two hostile groups that set upon each other with the greatest violence before they had seen that it was a ruse of his and had checked their dissentient fury we had got far enough from the shore to be out of reach of their missiles which now began to rain into the sea the phrase that had saved us was one on which the island was equally divided one set accepted it as the saving part of their creed the other abhorred it as the very poison of the soul 
Blastimo explained to us the fundamental difference between the two forces of Babiclutzi, but none of us could grasp it, or if we did, we forgot it at once. It was far too fine for translation through two languages. We abandoned the effort. So did we the other niceties of creed that split the Cuxorians up into units. At various stages in their history they had succeeded in attaining unanimity of opinion for a short time. One party through greater procreative power or missionary zeal got the upper hand in numbers and annihilated the minority by what they called acts of faith, processes of slow torture that ended in most cases in death, but it was only for a short time. They divided up again into two main sects, within each was rent almost into units by fierce differences of opinions but the differences were sunk in hatred of the opposition this same history repeated itself every second generation every decade or so the majority wiped out the dissentient few by the usual process of faith and then split up only to recoalesce into two almost equal bodies for temporary belligerent purposes they are very lazy except with their tongues and so they are very prolific as nature almost unaided supplies them with plenty of food their numbers are constantly recruited too with outcasts from other islands exiled on account of their passion for religious dogmatism but through the ages the coxurians had gradually grown smaller and smaller in size more wizened in countenance and more venomous in feelings their perpetual intercene feuds would soon have wiped the miserable imps off the face of the earth but for two provisions of nature the arrival of new immigrants made them at times quicksilver into two masses in order to save the souls of the newcomers at other times the exceptional force of will in one or more individuals produced militant organization that obliterated minor hatreds it was a good thing for the archipelago that there were ever a surviving few amongst whom might be placed all the doctrine maniacs of their various communities in order to give issue to the poisonous theological blood these exiles would never remain if the island were deserted as it was they were welcomed and made much of by the two parties that their souls might be saved End of chapter 32